Welcome to Agape Ministries Podcasts, a whole new way of thinking. Episode 23, part two of Father Pat Collins' talk on self-esteem and Christian maturity. So there's no point in giving my niece a present that I would like to receive. God, I might need a Zimmer frame soon. But, you know, or a hearing aid. But there's no point in giving my 21-year-old niece, uh, you know, say a good uh, uh, Philips shaver, because that would be no good to her. Might be something I'd like to receive. So, I mean, that sound, it's, when, we, when we hear it that way, it sounds so stupid. But actually, we do it all the time. We give presents to other people that we'd like to receive ourselves. <coughs> but often, they bear no relationship to their interests. And so often at Christmas, we thank people profusely for things that we get from them, and then we quickly just put them aside and never use them again. And we, we say, oh, well, they meant well, but they lacked insight. And the insight comes from empathy, being able to sense what other people feel, to understand why they feel the way they do, to know what their needs are, their desires, and to be able to respond to them appropriately. Empathy of that kind is exceptional. And the reason is not that people are lacking goodwill. Often we have lots of goodwill. But what we lack is the ability to see the world from another person's point of view and to respond appropriately. People who are afflicted by a lack of self-acceptance and with low self-esteem suffer from what psychologists call, and in a way these sound nasty, but they're not intended to be judgmental, but rather descriptive. They suffer from self-absorption and excessive self-reference. Now, the reason for this is simple enough. John Powell mentioned many years ago that when people don't accept themselves, when they can't love themselves as they are, when they suffer from shame and feelings of uh, self-contempt, that's very painful. And he calls that the toothache of the heart. Now, if you've got a toothache in your jaw, just try going down to the tent and having a cup of coffee and have somebody tell you about a dream they had or tell you about a wedding they went to last week, where do you think your attention will be? I don't think it'll be on the story. You'll be thinking, when will I get to the dentist? Can I get some aspirin to get rid of this pain? And even if you're not thinking along those lines, your attention will keep coming back to your jaw. Now, what do you do if the pain is not a physical one, but is a nagging psychological pain that never goes away. 
It distracts us in our relationships. We find it very hard to pay attention to other people, to become absorbed by their story, to really enter into their feelings and to understand their experience. What normally will happen is, though we will begin by listening, our attention will quickly boomerang back to ourselves. Let me give a rather common example. A man meets a woman whose mother has died one week before. He says, God, I just heard about your mother's death. I'm really sorry. You know, and I want to offer you my, my condolences. And then he says, with a, a, a face full of sympathy, how do you feel? Now, as you know, when you're bereaved, it's very hard to know what you feel because you're usually in a state of numbness. But the woman thinks this is a genuine inquiry. He wants to know how I feel. So she struggles to tell him. And she says, well, needless to say, I'm choked with grief. You know, my mother was ill for about six months. It was a rather painful illness. But thank God, I was there for her most of the time. But you know, I'm feeling really bad because on the day she died, I wasn't there. Actually, I'd gone to the chemist's to get her medication. I had no idea that she was so near to death. And when I came back to the house, I found that she had slipped away. Fortunately, my sister, who lives 30 miles away, had just come that morning, and she was there with my mother. But I feel really bad that I wasn't with her. Now, she said actually an awful lot in saying that. The man says immediately, God, my heart goes out to you. I know exactly how you feel. My mother died 15 years ago in similar circumstances. And I know how you feel about not being there. I wasn't there either. I was abroad on business when she died. And then he goes on to talk for 15 minutes about his mother's uh, decline and her final death. Now, he's well-intentioned. He's saying, I know what it's like for you because I went through something similar. The point of the matter is, it's never the same. And even if it were the same, she does not need to listen to another person's tale of woe when her own cup overflows with sorrow and grief and loss. You see, he's shown no empathy. He hasn't tuned in to what she's feeling. When she recounts the story of her loss, it prompts a memory of a loss in his own life and his attention boomerangs back to himself. And his sharing is an example of inappropriate, excessive self-reference and self-absorption. But if you analyzed any of the conversations that go on between you today, you will find your boomerang coming back to yourself very quickly. Actually, there are psychological tests that you can put people through to see how long they can allow a conversation go on without referring it back to themselves. By and large, the more emotional pain people have, the less self-acceptance 
the lower their self-esteem, the quicker the boomerang comes back. And they often feel threatened by things that other people are bringing up because it puts them in touch with their own rejected, contemptible side of their experience, and they can't deal with it. So they're not good listeners. Typically, they will say things like, I'm very sensitive. They are very sensitive in a neurotic way, but the only thing they're sensitive about is how other people feel about them, not how they respond to other people's feelings. So they see themselves as very sensitive. Others see them as very self-absorbed. But usually the others don't tell them. So they go around in, with this misconception that they're highly sensitive people, finely attuned to other people's experience, whereas it's not entirely true. So you see there is a clear interrelationship between self-acceptance, the ability to be my true self, and then the ability to forget about myself and to become absorbed in other people's experiences and to respond appropriately in a loving way to their needs. I just want to end by mentioning some of the typical symptoms of low self-esteem. Look in this mirror and see who's looking back at you. People with low self-esteem, firstly, have often feelings of inferiority and a lack of self-confidence. Secondly, they have difficulty in trusting others and revealing their deepest feelings and desires and experiences to other people because of a fear of rejection. Thirdly, they have a longing to receive appreciation from others, but when it's actually offered, they find it very hard to accept it. Fourthly, they're often good at helping people because they're trying to get brownie points. I'm helping you. I'm a good person. I hope you like me as a result. But when they have needs, they're slow to ask for help and they are slow to accept it when it's offered. Implicit in that in the small print is, why help me? I'm not worth it. Fifthly, they have an exaggerated fear of failure together with an unreasonable perfectionism. Industry is full of men who are trying to prove that they are good by achieving. And often the desire for money and for advancement is a compensation for low self-acceptance and low self-esteem. The idea is when I achieve my goal, when I reach high enough in the firm, when I've got a big enough salary, then I will be able to love myself. The problem is you're never earning enough. You have never gone high enough to be able to give yourself that reward. It just doesn't work. And a lot of those men in particular, but increasingly it applies to women also, burn themselves out. Just see what the firm does when you're not able to hack it anymore. They boot you out the door and you're on the scrap heap and you wonder, what on earth have I done wrong? Why has this happened to me? 
It's a, a modern form of slavery, but it's not imposed by others. It's imposed by the shadow. Sixthly, people with low self-esteem are often prone to feelings of envy and jealousy in their relationships because they're always making invidious comparisons. They feel jealousy because they feel you're bound to like her more than you like me because I'm inferior. And they're prone to envy because they'd say, in the light of your obvious superior gifts, I'm inferior. And eighthly, they're very poor at asserting their own needs or rights in conflict situations. They'll normally back off, they'll give in, and their attitude is, I don't want to ruffle anybody lest they think badly of me and would turn against me. So when they get the meat not done the way they wanted in the restaurant, they said they wanted it well cooked, and they get something that's almost dripping blood, they don't send it back because they don't want to face the hassle of asserting their rights and their needs. Some consequences of low self-esteem, we've talked about many of them already, a tendency to be anxious, to high level, prone to high levels of stress and burnout. And that will often lead to psychosomatic illness. Many of us are ill because of our low self-esteem. A tendency to develop addictions. People who become addicted to alcohol and many other things are using these substances and behaviors as an anesthetic to try and dull the pain that continues to ache within because the shadow hasn't been dealt with. Thirdly, they're inclined to suffer from negative emotions, oversensitivity, and will often be verbally and physically aggressive. One in four women will receive a battering from a man at some stage in her life. And I think a lot of the women here would have sad stories to tell about sexual aggression from men. Believe you me, most of it is not due to badness. Most of it is due to men who have not been able to deal with the ball of pain that's inside them due to a lack of self-acceptance and very low self-esteem. And sexual difficulties follow frigidity, impotence, and most of our sexual temptations and our inappropriate sexual activities are not rooted in lust, but rooted rather in an inability to deal with negative feelings that are rooted in lack of self-acceptance and low self-esteem. And when those negative feelings depress the personality, the person compensates by getting involved in the inappropriate fantasies and activities. And a lot of so-called sexual sin is compensating for the pain that has not been resolved due to low self-acceptance and low self-esteem. I want to end with a little prayer that I wrote a few months ago. Father in heaven, help me to face the truth about myself no matter how beautiful it is. <laughs> Enable me to see and to love in others, especially the poor and the needy, what you are seeing and loving in me. That will be anticipating what we will do tomorrow.
So thank you for taking the time to listen to these episodes. Our prayer is that as you listen and reflect on these teachings, that you'll be encouraged to continue your journey to maximise your potential to have a good and a happy life. So sign in again next week for more teaching on how you can follow the Jesus way to experience your life as filled with meaning, purpose and joy. So God bless and stay safe.